I took a deep dive into a thesaurus. So here we go. Hello, plant in a, whoa, in a Maratas and Swains. Pardon? Yeah, those are words. <laughs> uh, okay, say them again. In and Swains. Okay. Huh. So in is a female like lover. Like, um, like I it would kind of interpret it as the female who loves things. So in this case, you're a lady who loves plants. And Swain is like, from what I gathered, the male counterpart to that. So so a guy who loves a plants. Guy, a dude, dudes who love plants. Cool. Right? Like right. There's got, there's, I know you're out there, Swains. <laughs> I work with a guy that's got the last name Swain. Does that count? Oh, hey. Ooh. Ooh, and it is a greenhouse. So uh, he is, oh, well, he's at uh one of our bc what locations but he has the most plant knowledge i've ever seen in anybody's head when it comes to trees it's fitting it's fitting uh welcome to episode 36 of fancy plants podcast i'm chris and as always it's sue hello and amanda oh hi and the crowd goes wild because you gals are awesome you always make me feel so good when we start this. I'm like, yeah, I am awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely true. Okay, it is getting to be the end of April. Things are looking good. What's been happening in your worlds? How's your chickens? My chickens are good. Um, got some bigger chicks that went into the coop now. Nice. So now my coop's getting full. So hopefully in a couple of months, I'm, I'm getting lots of eggs. I, I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there. I definitely will eat eggs as a human being. So, you know, oh, I could have brought you guys some today. <laughs> um, yeah, I will never eat a pale yellow egg again from a store. I'm not even, I don't remember the last time I had an egg direct from a, well, okay, this is a weird way to say this, but essentially direct from a chicken where I didn't go through. Oh, not from a retail store. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah. So. I have um, a girlfriend who has her own like crafty company. It's called Crafty Things. She's making me a sign for my chicken coop. And so I'm calling it the Mother Cluckin' Inn. Oh, yeah, you are. Yeah. And then underneath, it's say- going to say, it's going to be really cool. Um, it says fresh butt nuggets daily. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a suggestion. Okay. You should get that Instagram handle. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> right? Yeah, see, I, I get all my farm eggs from a lady that I work with, actually. I haven't Ooh. bought store-bought eggs in probably a year now. Nice. Yeah, we were getting them from friends of ours. They have like 90 chickens. I, do, I don't have anywhere near 90 chickens. I have... Um, that feels like... 90 like, chickens feels excessive. Well, they sell their eggs, and that's like the girls' jobs and, and stuff. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's a lot of chickens, but they have 90. I bet they're well taken care of, though. They are. Yeah. Very well taken care of, and it's like a good farm chore for the the youngins um i do mine myself so i have like nine nine hens and a rooster um so yeah Woo. and i think a about farmer i've asked this before but uh, is it like an egg a day for per chicken or yeah yeah that's a, like that okay i just want to say that's really interesting because that's what seems fast to me it is they have a very short laying um term so they only lay egg anywhere from eggs from anywhere from two two to four years. Oh, um, and then they're just kind of taking up chicken realty at that place. I'm probably not <laughs> going to be like, "Hey, soup," um, afterwards. But that's what a lot of people do. Like once they're done laying their chickens. Oh, you're not going to name soup. like soup stew enchilada. Yeah, we already found Noodle. out that chicken yep. calling is not my like like putting a chicken down is not my forte. We found that out the hard way. So um, I'll probably just have to build another coop for my, my retirees. For your freeloaders? Yeah, for my freeloaders. But not all chickens lay an egg every day. So there's some that do. Some chickens lay like 200 to 350 eggs a year. And some will only lay like 100 a year. So Slackers. Yeah. <laughs> Slackers. 
And um, I'm just trying to make a very colorful basket of eggs because I like when there's like all colors. Um, Do you mean like varying shades of white to brown? Oh, they come in blue and green too. Blue, yeah, blue and green too. So there's white. I have one that lays white. I have one that lays cream. And I have one that lays brown. So I can always tell who's laying what right now. Um, actually, I have two that lay the cream kind of. They're almost a pink color. Oh, they don't, they don't come out stamped with an inspector number <laughs> yeah. and an Yeah, this one date? came from Maggie. This came from Henrietta. Yeah, no. Um, and then I, the new chicks, hopefully... They lay anywhere from blue to green eggs because they're called Easter eggers. They're a mix of a, a dark brown egg and a green egg parents. And they'll make anywhere, any color egg. They can lay pink eggs even, but usually it's anywhere from a blue to a green. I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How long does a chicken live for? Like seven or eight years, some of them. Dude, oh, you're going to have a lot of freeloaders yeah. if, you, if yeah. you can't figure out how to cull chickens. Yeah. So, well, we'll see. Like, you know. Maybe if they get a little old and crotchety, it's easier than than other ones. We'll see. I still have some time before that happens. Um, it's funny how much the chicken world is like plant world. Um, they even call like egg seeds for shipping purposes. So yeah, you get seedlings. And I didn't realize that there was so many breeds of chicken. So there's a, a lot of breeds. I feel like there's a new collection coming on for you. Oh, I would, <laughs> I would love to have one of each at least. My favorites are the silkies. So I have silky babies coming like they're they're still in their own pen. And they look my mom calls them Muppets. I have that's my rooster. He's a silky rooster. So I'm getting him some girlfriends and um, they look like Muppets. They're just big fuzz balls with beaks. Amazing. I, I can't like, wait to meet them. I love them. Chickens can't wait to meet them. They kind of seem to go together. And I met a lady. She's in southern Alberta. So hello if you're listening. And she's a plant lover. And then. Her and I talk lots about plants and chicks. Awesome. Yeah. I Double whammy. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not the only crazy one with two obsessions. <laughs> She's like, oh, no. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Sue, for the chicken update. I love chicken updates. And I, like I say, I can't wait to come and meet them. Amanda, what have you been up to in your greenhouse? Oh, the trees are getting really, really tall. Um Lots of uh, holding back heights right now, just getting ready to black them out so that we can uh, set the crop height before we uh, start harvesting here at the end of uh, July. That's going gonna, gonna to be so fast, right? Like it's only two months it away. Is, yeah. Three months away, I guess. Yeah. Wow. So uh, the crops that we seeded January 10th will be out in the forest by, you know, July 1st. Uh, that's as, a nice yeah, thought, isn't it? As a year-old tree, essentially. Yeah, yeah. We, we speed up the growing cycle, so it'll technically be a year-old tree that they're planting in July. Um, a friend of mine was a tree planter, and that's quite the job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how he did it. But he was this, I know we were talking about eating a little while ago and how when you have a job where you move around a lot, you eat lots. And my friend who was a tree planter, that's like he ate so much because they oh, were yeah. just constant and it was uphills downhills like and it's piece rate work right yeah, so exactly. the more you plant the more you make and yeah the tree planters are on the same diet i'm on it's a seafood diet you see food you eat it <laughs> i think that's amazing and i think you know maybe not all places in the world have tree planters so essentially we repopulate our forests after for um harvesting wood for wood uh trees for wood and they go around they have trees in a backpack and they have a little kind of shovel thing and they make tree a hole. Spade? yeah thank you i <laughs> i felt like mine was more official but whatever All right. <laughs> <laughs> um no i'm teasing of course that makes more sense um and they essentially they plant trees they stick their spade in the ground stick a tree in and, and they keep going and how much can a good tree planter plant in a day thousands well, yeah, I know right? when I like after high school, I wanted to go be a tree planter and my dad wouldn't let me, um, which is OK, because essentially I was pregnant. But <laughs> so it's kind of a good thing you wouldn't let me. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> essentially you were pregnant? Well, yeah, I just didn't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's kind of a good, you know, good thing in the end of the day that that my dad wouldn't let me go. But um, it was 10 cents a tree. So you got to think like if you want to make a living. And back then, <laughs> I hate to put it that way because <laughs> it was a long time ago, though. Um, you know, the cost of living was a little cheaper than it is now. So I imagine, you know, I don't know if their per tree went up a whole lot 
So you want to plant a lot. I bet it didn't. I bet it I didn't. Guess. Yeah. No, and the the peace rate thing, like a good tree planter can plant an incredible amount of trees in a day. And I know tree planters that have, you know, they work the summer tree planting. They spend the rest of the year traveling around the world. They've bought houses outright in cash, but you've got to be dedicated, strong, and really good. Feels like a young person's and game disciplined. to me. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it is a young person's game, but it's more, uh, it's the dedication and the coordination. It's not something that, uh, you know, somebody who is uncoordinated or unmotivated Mm. is ever going to excel at. And tree planters, you have to be a certain type of person. Like if you need to shower every day and put on makeup, you're not going to make it as a tree planter. (laughs) I think you learn real quick too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because like, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not a job that's for everyone. That's for sure. Um, like I said, if you need a shower or if you need to use a, a proper latrine. Um Yeah, you're out in like nowhere yeah. doing doing it. Yeah. Doing and thing. you know what? The the tree planting camps are actually really, really great. Um uh this last uh season with COVID because they've had to do they had to do closed camps last summer, which means once you're in camp, nobody in, nobody out. And um, a lot of the camps had a personal shopper or a runner. So rather than getting their town days out of camp, they would give their list to the to the shopper. Like, this is what I need. This is what I'm looking for. And they would bring it in, like, just go out and get whatever the supplies were needed and bring them to camp. Yeah. So you also have to be like, okay with with that part, like mm-hmm. being stuck out in the middle of nowhere and not really having your town days. And I mean, they have showers, I'm sure, like things like that. Um, but it's just not the same comforts that we have at home. It's kind of like roughing it, camping a little step up from that for for a living. <laughs> but it always seems like they're very adventurous people. Oh, for sure. Yeah, well, yeah, they're they're wonderful. I love sure. tree planters. They're wonderful oh, people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, what's the hippie in me speaking? <laughs> um, actually, I listen to a really great uh, tree planting podcast because it's just fun. Of course you did. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I love it. I love that. Well, I grow the trees. I should, you grow, you, you got to you know. know. You got to know. Exactly. You're like a part totally of that true. world. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, this summer, there's uh, a forestry company that I work with, and we're going out to the seed orchard. and. We're going out to a couple of cut blocks and a whole bunch of where we, we have tree adventures this summer. We're oh, excited. that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. That reforestation is just super important mm-hmm. and you can go through and, you know, go find forests that were planted 20 years ago and check out their progression I, on Vancouver Island. I know there's a few uh, forests that I've driven by that were reforested decades ago and it's just super cool to see. That's what, that's what these people are doing. And that's what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. And actually, if you uh, drive between Grand Prairie and Hinton uh, down Highway 40, you'll see signs uh, put up by the various companies. And it'll say, um, last harvested in, replanted on, next harvest this year. Like, whatever year that's planning. And in Alberta, you have to have a 200-year plan for every cut block. Mm-hmm. And you're replanting two trees for everyone that's harvested. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And, you know, there are some problems with old forests. So, the, you know, harvesting the trees is not a bad thing because when you get into old forest, it burns down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's uh, a lot of really great, really responsible, incredible people who work in forestry. Absolutely. Uh, it's it was always something when I was younger, I was like, oh, bad, bad. But there's so many incredible people who actually really, really love and care about the environment that work totally. in forestry. Totally. And we have such beautiful forests. Um, to me, it's like, and I'm not a scientist, I don't know that much about it, but it just feels like it can become a natural process and a natural cycle. Yeah. And we're being responsible and we're not, we're planning ahead. And I know there's an old saying that goes, um, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago and the second best time is now. Yep. And I mean, let's be honest, the world needs our lumber. So there's a demand. So we're going to supply it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's just, 
I think it's just great all the way around that it's not always what you think. You know, a lot of people, tree planters will have a bad rep with them. They'll be, oh, you know, they're party kids party and whatever. kids and, you know, kind of yeah. scuzzy couldn't get another job, but it, it's hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then your people that you have to, um, you know, the people that create it so that you have to plant these trees, like part of that whole eco, keeping the ecosystem going and everything. Like they care. They go, yeah, clear cut and, and deadfall and everything areas to help prevent forest fires. Um, and, and it's all replanted. Like Amanda said, one, every tree cut down. To go in. Yeah. To go in. It's funny. I like the, um, the natural progression. Remember when we were younger? And he was like, no, plastic bags instead of paper, save the forest. We can't do that. Yeah. Now it's, ki- it's kind of gone full circle. You know, we're getting rid of plastic straws and going with paper straws. I was in the grocery store the other day. They had paper bags again. Oh. And I asked the girl, I'm like, can you put that in paper? And she was so confused. She's like, I think I have to charge you for the paper bags. I don't know if we're supposed to use them. I'm like, I don't care. Like, figure it what out. What the heck are they there for I was for, just going to say, why would they have them then? Yeah. Like, I would prefer a paper bag. A, I can recycle it. B, I know the process that goes into renewing that. And I'm like, I no, I, I'll either have no bags or paper, please. Or recycle or not recycle, but reusable. Reusable, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, ask me how often I remember to bring my re- yeah, reusable Yeah, I was going to say, I have so many reusable bags. My biggest problem is remembering to bring them. And when I do bring them, remember them remembering to actually take them into the store. I've actually gotten really good at that, but I have a, a shopping basket with like a handle on it. So if I'm just going in for a few things, I just put stuff straight in my shopping basket. And it's it's material. It collapses. She also has a cardigan with a pocket full of mint candies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also have a tissue stuffed up the sleeve like your grandma did. What's your point? I'm just I'm just visualizing for our listeners. Oh yeah. I, I'm an, some weird combination between hippie and old lady. I love it. It's yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's easy because it's just you and Cole. For us, there's like we have a family to feed, so Oh, I've got my other reusable shopping bags inside of my shopping basket. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, um, you know what I find are the best grocery bags? Ikea bags. Oh, Love those. Yeah, until you have to get, you know, 24 cans of something. Oh, it, they totally fit in the Ikea bags. Those things are indestructible and they've got shoulder straps. So when you're doing the one trip in from the truck or die trying, you can actually like get loaded up so long as you're balanced, you're good. <laughs> you open the I gate ahead carry- of time. Heck of a lot of bags. <laughs> right? Those are, Ikea bags are great for demolition too. When you're like ripping out your floor and stuff, which oh, I've, yeah. I've, I've done that before and they're great. Yeah. Anyway, we clearly love Ikea. So there's, there's that. <laughs> At least they're bags. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, okay. That's super cool. We'll look forward to more updates on your trees, trees and chickens here on Fancy Plants Podcast. Um, my life is nowhere near as exciting as you guys when it comes to plant world. But I did manage to pick up a dragon scale alocasia, so I feel yeah. I'm a little jealous yeah. about that. I'm a little jealous too. Feel pretty. That good one was it. in an eight inch pot, though. I think I I'm feeling like I want a four inch pot one. I am curious about the size because I haven't quite gotten it yet. But um, I feel like I don't know. Maybe it's like a downsizable thing. I have no idea. I'm gonna look at it. Yeah. If it's huge, I'll be fine. <laughs> like, yeah, you'll survive. Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> that just means I can share. Um, yeah, I haven't really done too, too much. Still trying to grow some peppers. It's been a little frustrating, but I'm working on it and I am looking for starters. So I might just grow those in my, in my tent. Yeah. I think I'm ready to go to the greenhouse and get some starters. I think the, my greenhouse is, is going to be stable enough to start getting some stuff in there. So I'm pretty excited to do that. Cool. Uh, And you know what we can, we're going to take ourselves a little bit away from what we've just been talking about. And talk a little bit about plants we love to hate. I think we covered a little bit of this last episode, but those were plants that we thought were ugly. And these are just plants that we just really don't even care what if they're pretty or not. We just hate them. So, Oh, I'm going first. I'm going first. <laughs> oh, Amanda's going first. It's croton all the way. Yeah. Yeah, she took true. mine. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's croton. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like... If you listen to other episodes, you probably heard that I had one once because my husband really wanted it. 
and he picked a croton and then I got spider mites and I took it outside and then the frost came for fall and I just let it be it outside. accidentally got frozen? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was one way to deal with that. Sorry, love. Well, and that's a good point. Like we've talked about uh, crotons. We've talked about spider plants, even though Sue has one and is intending on giving Amanda some. Nope. Um, nope. She's not. <laughs> she, she's, she's learned her lesson on that one. <laughs> oh, what happened? I My thought, mom. Yeah. Her mom totally sold her out. My mom sold me out. She's like, it's okay, Amanda. If Sue gives you spider plants, give her hairy plants. And I was like, mom, you're rude. Yeah. So yeah, if she gives me a spider plant, I'm going to start giving her African violets. Yeah. I don't like African violets either. Yeah, but they're fuzzy and I know she won't want to touch it. I know, but they're ugly. I, not all of them. I, I should have said that last episode. My variegated ones are fantastic. Yeah, I just... They're old lady plants, I was going to say, it goes along with the peppermints in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Which is super funny. I do have an African violet. I've had it for a long time. It just lives. And I water bottom it. Water bottom. You water bottom it? I bottom water it so I don't touch the leaves. And it it lives so it's allowed to live at my house. I can think of a lot of other fuzzy plants, though, like purple passion mm-hmm. vine. Oh, yeah. Like I could get yeah, you the just a passion plant. Oh, yeah, nightmares. I could get you a whole a teddy bear plant. Yeah. No, I already had to get rid of one of those. Yeah. Real no, fast. no, not if I give it to you as a gift with my undying love. No. Oh, oh, no. Undying love. Give me a hairy plant. Oh, you're going to find spider <laughs> plants everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but when you add undying love. See, Sue and I have mutually assured destruction now. <laughs> I don't get spider plants. She doesn't get fuzzy plants. And you, over there, looking at me all, you know, evilly, can stay out of it. I hate Hoyas, so please don't give me any Hoyas. <laughs> <laughs> for Man, some, I hate those things. For some reason, I used to tell my kids when they lie that they get a wrinkle on their forehead and man did you just get a wrinkle on your forehead (laughs) (laughs) i have one i don't like it's an outside plant um it is the bleeding heart plant (gasps) okay i don't know like my mom grew one and there is something about it that i was just like i don't like you did you know when you like pick the flowers off those and turn them upside down and if you pull out the two little pink parts it looks like a naked lady in a bathtub. Yeah, I think you mentioned that <laughs> before. You mentioned that before, yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't like those. And I also don't like peace lilies, like not even a little bit. Fair enough. Oh, uh, I don't like ivy. I I see it and I'm like, in someone else's house in a picture and I'm like, oh, that's kind of pretty. But then in real life, no. All I see when I see it is spider mites. That's all I see. That's fair. I can't get past it. Any kind of ivy, like there's some variegated ivy that's so so beautiful out there, and I hate it. I'm like, nope, don't, don't give me a ivy. I think we have definitely discussed our hate of ivy. Yeah, so you know what we haven't discussed is purple heart. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. the purple heart. What is that plant anyway? Is it a plant? Is it a weed? Is it? It grows so weird. And I actually accidentally bought one once because I thought I liked it. That's all right. Yeah. And, the, and then I was like, I don't know. I'm looking at a picture of it now. It looks like it's trying to be a cool plant, but it just never will be. That's fair. My, mine is ZZ's. I mm. appreciate a big ZZ. I think they're beautiful. I love seeing them in other people's houses. I, I, I even have one. I don't much care for them. I think it's because they are probably the least rewarding plant you could have. They grow so slow. I've seen other people, though, and their ZZs grow fast. I'm like, all right, apparently it just hates me, too. It's cool. Well, they hate me, too. So, Well, yours is variegated, though. Yeah, but still. So it could just be slow. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Mine, mine's very, very... I, I get, like, one new branch a year. But the thing with the ZZ, you could ignore it for a long period of time. You can grow them like a snake plant, and it still looks fine. No, mine protests if I don't water it. Oh. Yeah, I think it's the variegated leaves. I don't know. Yeah, because I I ignore mine quite a bit. That's probably why it doesn't grow very fast as well, <laughs> to be quite honest. Another one that I really, really don't care for too much 
is um, the aluminum plant. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I like them when they're little. Yeah. I guess, maybe. I don't know. They just start, they don't do anything for me. Not a single thing. Huh. You know what it's coming down to here is we, I feel like we've talked a lot about a lot about these plants already, which just means that we really actually don't like these plants. Yeah, yeah like we have we have a hit, we have a hit list. We have a plant hit list. Yeah, I'm sure our listeners are like, okay, we get enough it. already. <laughs> oh, Probably yelling, funny. why don't you say this plant? Well, and that's a good point, Sue. Like everyone's going to have the plants that they don't like, and I actually wonder if a lot of it is. Do you not like that plant because you can't grow it? I mean, I know that's why I don't like some plants. Oh, yeah. Like, I like Clethia, Clethia, but I don't because I'll just kill it. It's every dramatic. Time. Every time. Every time. I think they're beautiful. I have no desire to own one. Yeah. I always like looking at other people's. Oh, yeah. Grow absolutely. Them. Like, I, I appreciate a beautifully grown plant regardless of what it is. Yeah. You know, you step off the plane in Mexico and there's this pothos with leaves the size of your head and... I don't care if you don't like pothos. That's pretty freaking incredible. Well, it's almost hard to recognize. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like a whole different kind of plant. Yeah. Oh, exactly. So I, I appreciate a well-grown plant, even if it's a plant I don't like. You know, you walk into a botanical garden and there's this, you know, beautiful tree full of polka dot plant. I'm like, wow, that's really incredible. Still don't like them. But wow. Yeah. A polka dot plant is an epiphyte? They can grow as an epiphyte. Oh. Did you like that I used the word epiphyte? I did. Yeah, that was very satisfying. <laughs> I learned one thing doing a plant podcast, and it's the word epiphyte. <laughs> and that I'm an old lady. Well, we already... We kind of knew that before. Yeah. Okay, well, at least you knew I before. find it one of your endearing qualities. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. Can I have a candy? <laughs> you, do you want a candy? I can get you a candy. I, ha I have candies in my purse. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to do a podcast here. Yeah, but you want, do you want a piece of candy? <laughs> a piece of candy? Here's some candy, little candy? girl. Some candy? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> and we're back to watch lists. All we right. definitely do not have a windowless van that says free candy. <laughs> no, ours says free variegated plants. plants. Free plants. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We should get a van that says free plants. What would we do with it? Be chased down the road by crazy plant people. Or plant swap. Plant Traveling van. plant swap in plant the, swap in the van. van. I miss our, our plant swaps that we used to be able to do. <gasps> Those were great. Right? Yeah. Plant swaps, plant group meetups. Yeah. We used to drink a lot of beer as a random Facebook group. That's true. That's how we met. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Ended up at the same end of the table one day. Mm-hmm. For people who don't know our local house plant group here in Grand Prairie, uh, we used to all do an open invitation out to a local pub once a month and it was just come meet people and join up. And that's how the three of us met. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Then we ordered Hoyas together and our friendship was sealed. And we did like a trip to Edmonton for plants. We'll do it again. Now we're doing a podcast. Like, yep. look at us. Look at us go. Look at us all from a plant group meetup. That's true. That's true. Thanks, plant group. Yeah. And beer. Thanks, plant group and beer. Well, yeah. I didn't drink beer, but yes. Oh, you know, you were drinking vodka crana probably. How do you yeah. remember that? I, I have a memory for the weirdest things you have ever known. <laughs> I want to ask you really inappropriate questions, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> like you're asking how I remember Sue's drink? Yeah. Uh, I used to be a bartender. Fair and enough. we went to all the plant groups meetups pretty much. I didn't. I know. Yep. We noticed. Yeah. Sue's vodka cran, but she likes soda. Mm. Water. M yeah. Mostly soda water. Nope. Just water. Oh, is it just water that you get? Oh, used? what yeah. kind of bartender are you? I know. <laughs> it's, it's been a couple years. Uh, but yeah, it's vodka cran with just a little bit of water. That's called pressed, right? Sure. What? I'm pretty sure. It's actually vodka cran with a little bit of water or vodka water with a little bit of cran. Yeah. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. Oh, okay. In a tall glass. In a tall glass. I yeah. don't really drink that much anymore. So I guess wine, maybe your beer. Beer has a lot of calories. I drink and I grow things. <laughs> I, since we moved, don't have drinks as often. 
I used to just like randomly pour myself some wine and drink it all by myself. I'd have a bath or something or play with my plants. I just haven't done that lately. I know it's kind of weird. Every once in a while I'm at work and it's getting close to the end of the day and I hear somebody in another office go, beer? Like, uh huh. <laughs> yes. Well, you also probably finished running 20 miles. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you deserve a beer. My big thing is I like mixed drinks, but I don't like mixing them. So <laughs> I think that's my problem. You can get this crazy drink dispenser where you put yeah. like the alcohol in it and it just like makes drinks for you. It's like a Keurig only for. Yeah. Only for. It's like a drunken, disorderly Keurig. It has pods yeah. and everything. Yeah. Like it's pretty cool. So yeah. long as we don't end up in Morocco. Uh, I wouldn't be too upset if I ended up in Morocco. Until you had to harvest a certain crop. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to move us along. Okay. I feel feel like that has potential to go (laughs) to (laughs) different places. It was super... uh, Definitely. (laughs) It was super popular when we did the plants that changed the world. Um, So we wanted to do a part two of that. Because we also enjoy talking about plants that change the world. I love that one. I learned so much. I know. It was super good. Um, and it's funny the, when you start reading about plants and how they have changed the world. There are a thousand, kabillion, million, which is an official number, to choose from. <laughs> and so choosing one is extremely difficult. So I can see revisiting this topic again uh, in the future for sure. But for now, each of us has chosen one plant. And who would like to go first? Not it. Not it. Aw. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Fine. I seems I one, two, three, not it too slowly. Okay. So it's spring and I, I was kind of going through and I'm like, all right, what, what am I going to pick? And I'm like, all right. Okay. I think I got this. Okay. So this plant was originally found as a wildflower in Central Asia. It was cultivated in Turkey in 1000 AD, and it was introduced to Western Europe in the late 1500s. In the 1800s, you could get yourself exiled for trading or if you got caught trading or selling these outside the Turkish capital. And it's tulips. Could you take them outside of the Turkish capital? Uh, Yeah, it was... um, so the, the word tulip is actually um, from the, the Turkish word for turban, which I thought was actually really neat. There's some, some interesting uh, debates over whether when somebody was asking what that plant was, if the local thought they were talking about their turban. So it, it was quite interesting. But uh, yeah, you could take them outside of the capital. It was the... Turkish royalty, it was their flower. They actually were one of the first people to have tulip mania. Oh my gosh, I love tulip mania. I know, and I'm so glad you did this one because <laughs> I'll be honest, I was bouncing between two. That was, this was the other one. Yeah, well, and tulips, it's just, it's one of those things that it seems like every culture as they discover tulips go into this tulip mania. So originally, um, tulips had the smooth petals and the solid colors. They actually got infected with mosaic virus. Um, and at one point, that's when the frilled petals and the splashy colors and variegated petals actually came from tulip bulbs that were infected with mosaic viruses. Huh. They've since culled those out of population, but um, they, they've since culled those out of population and actually bred stable varieties with the frilled petal and the the splashy colors and all that sort of stuff. So we always think of tulips as being like Holland, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because it, it they're Dutch. It's a Holland thing. But it actually, the, the tulip mania really, really started in the Turkish Empire. It was a huge thing in the Ottoman Empire. It was actually, you know, referred to as the Tulip Age. It, it's really fun. So uh, the tulips were actually introduced to the Netherlands in 1593. It was actually a botanist that had them sent over from Istanbul. Okay. Which is where, how they originated in Holland. 
And now the Hol- the tulip festival in Holland, which is 25,000 hectares of tulip fields, actually incorporate that original tulip field from 1590. Yeah, 1593. Crazy. That's a long time. Right? Now, you were saying something about a special tulip being created for Canada. Oh, absolutely. So the Dutch and Canadians, we have a really long history together. So when, uh, uh, when Germany invaded in 1940, the Dutch royal family actually fled to Canada. Uh, I do believe it was Princess Margaret, who was actually born in a hospital in Ottawa. Oh, cool. Okay. So in 1945, when the, the royal family was able to return, they actually sent over 100,000 tulip bulbs to the Canadian government. And they were planted on the legislative grounds. And every year since then, they have sent over 20,000 tulip bulbs. So now Canada can actually do a tulip festival as well with all of these Dutch tulips. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, and then there's the Liberation Tulip that is to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the li- Liberation of the Netherlands. And it's neat because I do believe it was the Dutch resistance uh, during the war. At one point, they were cordoned off. They were unable to get supplies. Uh, Canadians did airdrops. But in the meantime, while they were still trying to get to them and get supplies... They actually would eat tulip bulbs as a survival food. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the tulip has an incredible history there. And the Dutch have been so generous in breeding tulips for Canada. So there's the Liberation Tulip or Liberation 75. Um, There is a Canada one as well. Um, I forget which anniversary. It was one of uh, Canada's birthdays that they... The Dutch actually bred a red and white tulip for us. That was just a, a recent one, I thought. Yeah, that one's only a few years old. 150. Oh, uh, yeah. Canada 150. Yep. yep. And that tulip actually has variegated foliage. It's got green and white foliage, and it's this stunning red and white blue. If you go to tulipfestival.ca. <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> There's like a ton of information there. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. The, and the tulip mania, like just to research tulip mania over history, at one point in Holland, when tulip mania was at its peak, a single tulip bulb was selling for more than a house. Wow. Yeah. Like people like I, something about tulips that just get people crazy. So with a tulip, um, if you're trying to propagate tulips, does it just grow a separate bulb and you just break them apart? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you plant your tulips in the fall and they come up in the spring and they bloom and they're wonderful. If you want to stop your tulips from quote unquote naturalizing, which means spreading and bushing out, uh, you want to cut the blooms early. If you want them to naturalize quicker, you want to leave the blooms on the plants until they're expired because then the nutrients goes back down into the bulb. Okay. When you um, have tulips, do you plant the bulbs in the fall? Yes. I remember I had a house a long time ago. And one year I was like, hey, there's tulips. <laughs> I don't know. They just kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't, even realize, yeah, I didn't yeah. even realize they were there, which is kind of cool. Sometimes with bulbs, if you plant them too deep, they don't come up the first year. They just kind of sit there dormant. And mm. then like a couple of years later, you're like, I don't remember planting tulips here. What the heck? <laughs> Amazing. I actually got some dahlia bulbs this year. It's a totally separate topic, but I got some. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Anything, any other tulip? Oh, there's so much tulip history. Yeah. You know, they were originally discovered when they were looking for edible plants and medicinal plants and that sort of stuff. Uh, There's actually uh, some debate as to the 1593 tulips because... They say that the first tulip to bloom in Holland was actually in 1594. But there's also another background story in there saying that a merchant actually had received some prior to this uh, in some fabric and chewed on one for a little while and decided that it was absolutely disgusting and threw them away. So they were actually growing and blooming prior to the uh, 1594. I had no idea. 
the tulips had so much history. Oh, well, and the costs and yeah, it's just, it's one of those flowers. I also actually read about tulips that um, people really anticipate new colors. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, tulip mania, while it's not as expensive, people are still incredibly passionate about tulips. I don't know. It's Maybe it's the harbinger of spring thing, but yeah, tulips are definitely an incredible commodity in cut flowers, festivals, like the, the tulip festival is like on one of that's my it's a bucket list thing i need oh, to go cool that's cool i also think they're prettier than something like a poppy or a crocus or i like a spring flower i just i preferred the tulip i like the structure of them yeah they've got really great structure i think any blooming plant on mass would be something to see like i'd love to see a lavender field in bloom yes oh, yeah right yeah and lavender flowers in and of themselves not exactly stunning but I just I've think seen, a field of purple. Ooh. Yeah, I've seen that in the Okanagan. Oh, nice. I mean, not to like, we're not talking acres or anything, but enough where you get the idea. Yeah. You know? So they have such nice plants down there. Oh, my gosh. I know. I plant envy. I know. If we could just have that kind of growing here, that would be amazing. <laughs> right? Except for we don't, maybe we don't want it because that means that global warming has really succeeded. there's that there's that it'd be harder to look forward to other plants i think that's one of the nice things about not having those kind of grow things because you go everywhere and you're just in awe right like i wonder if people that live there come here and are they're probably not in awe over our foliage that we grow oh you know what though sometimes a change is as good as a rest right Mm -hmm. you know it's just different you know i still i walk into the boreal forest and i'm just like oh my god it is absolutely beautiful Drive, it's true. Drives my husband nuts. He's like, quit putting stuff in your mouth. I'm like, no, it's okay. <laughs> oh, it's true. It's true. Any last thoughts about tulips? No, I, there's so much research. You know, it's just a drop in the bucket. We could uh, probably do two hours on tulips alone. You know, that's the problem I had with my plant as well. Because once I started researching about it, I thought, oh my gosh, I don't have enough time to really express what this plant has done for us because it's it's so uh versatile and it actually helped contribute to birth control which, that's neat yeah which was a complete surprise to me uh in fact there i was reading and i, I just want to preface this by saying i'm not a scientist and please don't take this supplement without help from your doctor so i'm just a couple of things I absolutely read. yeah so um, what would happen is indigenous women would use toxic levels of this root uh, to become sterile, or they might make a tea out of it to ease contraction. So this was um, quite a you know decade centuries ago, essentially. Um, this plant is native to North America, and it is a wild yam. Hmm. So the roots of the wild yam are quite large; they're tubery roots, um, and in the 1950s, scientists discovered that the roots of the wild yam plants have something called diosgenin, and I might be saying that wrong. Um, and now nearly all birth control is a synthesis of this compound. So diosgenin is a phytoestrone, oh my gosh, I'm really butchering this, phytoestrone compound. So estrogen, essentially, it's plant-based estrogen. and in the 1960s, this was um, synthesized. 1950s, 60s, this was synthesized to become one method of birth control. So, what you can't do is you cannot take eat this root and expect it to be birth control because what the scientists need to do is they use um, a form of this, a synthesized form, because there needs to be some uh, reactions that happen or you know chemical magical things that happen before it actually becomes birth control so please don't think you can go get yourself a wild yam root (laughs) and have natural birth control um, because there are no studies that actually support that that's a thing that can happen so i just want to really make sure people understand that please don't do that Um, yam root actually though is used as a supplement in a lot of different things so again i'm suggesting if you would like to use yam root as a subs as a uh, addition to your healthy routine to please confer with your doctor. Um, but according to what some people say, it could be used to treat high blood pressure, migraines, insomnia, 
uh, UTIs, inflammation, and more. But again, there's not necessarily enough evidence to say that it will do these things. Uh, and some claims, in fact, have been debunked by scientific research. So what I will say is that as I was reading about this plant, um, it kind of got me thinking about birth control and how we should be allowed to have autonomy in our own bodies. And the reading took me down a path into, you know, the philosophy behind birth control and that philosophers and civilizations have been talking about birth control for thousands of years. And they actually um, did some terrible things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. that's it. <laughs> For What's that? Control? We did terrible things in history. Okay. Yeah. So, and then eventually, um, this particular method came along. There's a couple other birth control methods that were created that's about the same time. Um, but it was interesting to me because there's a whole conversation about should I be allowed to have this autonomy over my own body, mm-hmm. and what what are the philosophical questions behind it? So. Uh, going back to like Roman times, for example, they were having those debates among their philosophers. So unfortunately, I didn't get to dig too much into it. I wanted to. Um, so I may come back to this one later. But the point about the wild yam is their ma- its main chemical compounds um, can become the foundation for lots of other pharmaceuticals as well. So it kind of was a miracle plant in a way where it allowed scientists to learn how to do these things. Um, and I just thought it was really interesting because it, it seemed when it was stumbled upon, it was, it seemed interesting because there was some scientists who were trying to use like Japanese yam root to do these same things. Cause they could tell that this compound was within it. They wanted to experiment with it, but the Japanese yam roots were way too small. Like, and so <laughs> the scientists actually stumbled across a drawing in an old botany book with the North American yam root. Okay. Based in Mexico and saw that it was like huge. So they, they started, they, this guy actually moved to Mexico City and synthesized this to make birth control. And it was actually a really small pharmaceutical company that was not like the big guys at all. So it was actually born in Mexico City because of this yam. So it was kind of cool. That's exciting. You know, there's so much history that links medicine and plants. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. I know. And I, like I say, I wish I could have done a really deep dive into this because I feel like there's a lot of, um, lot to uncover here. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's definitely a lot there. It's, it's amazing what people centuries ago and, you know, you know, first people anywhere, like, you know, first nations, indigenous populations, man. Are they incredibly smart? Completely. So I am actually taking a history course right now in Canada up to um, 1867. And the first part of learning is about Indigenous culture and how Indigenous culture really was downplayed. Because, yeah, yeah, because, of course, written history had more... um, had more sway than the oral history, which is how indigenous, a lot of indigenous cultures passed along their history. So now there's actually a group of historians called ethno historians who focus solely on indigenous culture. And they're starting to um, record and bring forward a lot of the things that were lost. When oh, it came yeah. to, and, and one of those things is plants and how indigenous people were so connected to the earth over so many millennia that they did have a lot of this technology. And unfortunately, a lot of it was lost. Yeah. And it, it is. It's, you know, you kept an entire society alive. You knew what not to eat, what to eat, what remedied this, what fixed that. It's just incredible the amount of knowledge that was there. And it's knowledge passed on from person to person it's not going and reading a textbook yes it's not going to school it's not going to school it's not firing up what's not going to school in the traditional sense no it's not firing up a computer and asking dr google absolutely it was all orally transferred to the next generation and, and and demonstrated and it was 
it's actually some very interesting reading. It's super, yeah. it's very good. It is super um, interesting, you know, of how, how it was passed down and some information would only get passed down in some, some different of the cultures of the indigenous people through only certain people. Like you had to be, how's the word? Like chosen to have that information. Sometimes it wasn't information that everybody got. So it's kind of, I think that stuff's very interesting. Yeah, I'm glad to see that historians are really focusing on that now and also allowing cool. allowing for those oral histories to have more weight than they did. Absolutely. Yeah. Just because something is not written down doesn't give it less weight or less value than something that is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's fascinating stuff. Yeah. It is very so fascinating. So that is Wild Yams and I... I do feel like I, I want to take a deeper dive into that. So maybe we'll, maybe I'll get a chance to do that in a future episode. But Sue, you have a plant. I do. Um, I, I debated on two. And so I'm so glad Amanda did tulips. Because <laughs> tulips were one of them that I was like, ah, but it was like a hole <laughs> that you could just keep going. Oh, down yeah. Keep you, going down. you could go down the tulip hole for days. Yeah, so so I picked a plant that's from the Spurge family. You perverts. I know. You started laughing the hardest. Yeah, I did. Um, so I picked a plant from the Spurge family. And um, technically, uh, I don't even know how to butcher this good enough that you guys would know how to say it, like understand what I'm trying to say, but it's like a euphorbia CIA. Euphorbia? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> yeah, it'll be part of the euphorbia family. Part of it. Part of it. Yeah. It had more letters in it. <laughs> I lost it after the euphorbia part. So anyway, often called the Hevia brasilinesis. Fancy words. So this plant we use in many things today. Um, if you drive a car, it's in your car. It's used for so many and it really did change the world. It wasn't really recorded until 1839, but like Chris was saying, there's so much of the indigenous culture that just was passed through, you know, generations and generations through mouth, word of mouth and teachings that way. Um, so it was used by the indigenous people for years in the rainforest. And um, it was used, and this is a plant that a lot of the parts are actually used for. And so there's a whole bunch of different kind of, stories i guess i can call it stories um of you know who recorded this first but we're going to go off the one that we all know <laughs> and i just want to in inject there we've heard that a lot about plants and who discovered them first oh yeah the, there's yeah. uh i think it is the biggest no me first no me first no i did is in Botany. Even, even the yam root stuff, I was like, which scientist did what? Like, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there yeah. Always, there's, there's so many debates. It's like, no, it's mine. But well, and then you have, you know, worlds away. We were worlds away. Now we have like a computer. It keeps us all in one world. But like, really, you think about before, you know, the 19th century, we were worlds apart, each, each kind of setting. So someone in this area found this. But maybe news didn't travel. And so someone in this area found found the same thing. And so like, I'm just going to say binomial them. nomenclature. Binomial yeah. nomenclature. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, like, so they, you know, it's really hard to pick. So I'm going to go off because I thought this one was interesting because it was created by accident. And I purposely haven't said what the plant is yet. Like what everybody commonly knows it as. But anyway... There was this um, in 19 or sorry, 1839. There was a gentleman by the name of Charles Goodyear who found, <laughs> I know, light bulbs. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, he found by accident using part of this plant. He had some sap of it uh, and he was mixing it with sulfur. Not sure why. And it dropped it on a hot like what they used in that time as a stove, like a kind of like a wood stove top. And it turned into this leathery, flexible, strong material that we know today as rubber. And this is what kind of started um, more people to really look into because now they were like, hey, this is neat. So <clears throat> they refined it um, and refined it from the tree, that tree in Brazil, uh, the rubber tree. 
And so there's a few different species, but the one that rubber comes from that we know is the Javier brasilinensis. Um, it, they kind of worked on it and, and it made the rubber that we know today. So the sap can be used, the bark can be used, it, different kinds of rubbers are diff- used for, that sounded really bad. <laughs> so <laughs> so different parts of the plant can be made to, to make different kinds of rubber that we use in different things. Um, so that started to really take off in the industrial, like when they started to come up with the industrial revolution and the industrial world. And at one time, rubber was worth more than gold. I'd believe it. So were tulips. Yeah. Yep. So were tulips. So it was. Not, I don't think. I don't think Yamroot ever was. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I never. I, I would be a little surprised if I found that out, but you never know. Um. So in Brazil, uh, it really helped a lot of these small communities along the rivers and stuff like that. Having stuff set up to be able to to make and sell rubber, it really helped. But then. There was another person who I believe is known as Henry Wickham. Um, he convinced in South Asia some coffee farmers to try and grow some rubber trees because nobody wanted to because it took a long process and everything. And um, after several tries, it worked. And they were able to grow them and they were able to grow them faster than they could in Brazil. So it kind of crashed the Brazilian market for that and there was kind of this like rubber war going on because <laughs> um, it kind of crashed the Brazilian market for the rubber tree um, yeah they can grow to like 200 feet tall these trees they're huge uh, it looks like now the top rub- rubber producing countries in 2011 are actually south and southeast Asia so yeah. Thailand and Indonesia Malaysia so yeah India so those really did move yeah like they really did move and Thailand is like one of the most common places for them to to have the plantations of the rubber tree the flower the sap in the flower is it the sap in the flower there's like a something in the flower um Anyway, it's used, like, so a lot of pieces are used for different things. But what I thought was really cool is that when its flower bursts out its seeds, they spread over 100 feet. I I feel like you need to wear safety glasses. Like, there's, there's, this is a missile. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I thought that was kind of interesting that when they, they flower for the the seeds, they burst over, they burst, um, and the pods will spread the seeds over 100 feet. That's craziness. That's kind of crazy. And it's rubber. And so there's like, how do you say it? The tenke rubber tree? Like that's like a hot one everybody wants right now. Oh, tinky or... I don't know. Yeah, it's like a variegated rubber tree. Anyway, these rubber trees, there are rubber trees. They're part of the same family, but they're not quite what they use. Yeah, because it'd be like ficus elastica, which is what we typically would have in our house. But yeah, so it's not it's not what a lot of people call it, like refer to common household rubber tree. It's not the same. Same family, but not the exact same tree. Yeah. You're not going to grow your, your tanke to be 200 feet tall and, and make tires. My friend had a rubber tree in his yard and he, bur- and he chopped it down and then he burnt the wood and it was disgusting. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the latex was... sap in them. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah, like a tire fire. Their awful. sap is latex, which makes sense to me now why a lot of people have reactions to it. Because there's a lot of sap out there that even though it's not poisonous or anything, but it is very irritating um, to different like plants and stuff they can be yeah any irritating. of the white latex saps uh poinsettias yeah you know, all the euphorbias um even hoyas to an extent have the, uh, that white latexy sap uh deshidias all that sort of stuff yeah but we're not using their sap no they we're don't, not wearing it on our hands they don't have the same and, uh elastic properties yeah they're not they're not stretchy sap yeah so um it made sense Kind of that light bulb went off when I was reading about that, that latex, that's why people have so much reaction and such a severe reaction to latex. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was the tree. That was the the plant. Because, I mean, who knew that in 1839, you know, a man named Charles Goodyear <laughs> developed rubber. Right. And it's, By accident. It's funny that you mentioned the... Uh, like the economic divide from when they started transporting. Plants have been used and the cause of so much economic turmoil, really. 
you know, the Dutch are selling, you know, tulip mania hits and you're paying more for one tulip bulb than your house. And then, you know, we're transporting citrus trees over to Europe so that we don't have to import them. You know, uh, the hemp market uh, in North America here, um, even in the U.S. before hemp was uh, illegal, made illegal, the, the hemp market was huge and it's impacting other economies, uh, chocolate, tobacco, all of these things, rubber, palm. Palm, palm oil. Palm oil. oil. Um, there's the list of stuff that has caused economic upset. And political upset. And political yeah. upset. Oh, yeah. It's huge. And like, there's this little, you know, kind little plant just sitting there. And it's just completely rocking the world. Interesting. That's a, that's a really cool way to look at it. And I think, too, because plants are so important to the world. Like, I know there's a lot of people that put you know, they're kind of in the gold and silver and fancy jewels. Like to them, that's what rules the world is. It's that kind of monument thing. So it's probably hard to fathom that the plants would cause disruption in economic and political ways across the world and, and send ripples and waves out. And I guess maybe they do it a little more stealthily than we think of. But I mean, can you live without gold? Sure. See, but plants, right? And that's like, okay, does so gold help heal this alien yeah. ailment? Does gold help feed you? Does it help it prevent comes, babies? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. like in my zombie apocalypse skills, like this is this is how I, you know, rate things. I'm like, okay, in the event of a zombie apocalypse, what skills do you have that will keep you alive and a useful member of the group? Yeah, man, can I do communications? Right. I I can't. <laughs> I, I I'm a lousy hunter. You know, I'm not exactly fast. I'm an okay shot, you know, but I can grow stuff. Oh, I can shoot. I'm a good shot. See, That's there, my see there's your zombie too. apocalypse skill. Yeah, but I can grow anything. I'm pretty decent at, you know, edible plants. Like, I'm like, I don't need to be able, you know, I don't have to be the fastest or the best. I'm like, I can feed you. She can make us indoor hydroponic green onions. Right. I, yeah. I can grow you whatever you need to eat. You know, what's interesting about about plants, too, is other than the fact that Amanda's going to feed us during the zombie, <laughs> the zombie apocalypse. apocalypse. Yeah. Um, that drama kind of trickles down even to local marketplaces. It really does. <laughs> it really right? does. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. we even see it upset economies right now. And we've talked about this before in the group, how when we kind of first started really getting into the like, plant groups and, and all that stuff with the plants, the way the plant prices and plant trends have moved and turned and created drama, maybe not on such a wide scale political level, but just within plant lovers in general, it's really made changes over the last little bit. Well, even like going back to our last episode, plants are the reason that a worldwide store cannot keep a metal cabinet with glass shelves in stock right yep it's our modern day economic upset yeah <laughs> <laughs> well ladies i think that was uh really educational and i sure always enjoy researching these plants yeah so do i i love yeah. these ones yeah so good yeah i thought it was cool any last thoughts about plants that change the world part two before we close out can we do a drunken disorderly part three? Of I think course. we need to do that. Yeah, yes. do. you know, plants that change the world, and or at least got us drunk. Grapes, yeah. agave. Yeah, it'd be fun. Potatoes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hops. Uh, oh yeah, hops. Perfect. We will yeah. definitely do that. Sue, any last words for you? Uh no. I just think that next time you're having a plant, whether you're eating it or you're buying it to display in your home, maybe think of how it might have affected the world. Ooh. Oh, and there's so many rabbit holes to go down, like Google history of the potato. Like, it's crazy. Well, maybe we'll talk about the potato soon. Yeah, so yes, we Don't could. Google it yet. <laughs> <laughs> My parents even, used to have a potato patch and we used to sell potatoes. Yeah, even like um, grass, you know, yeah. lawn, lawn, the history of your lawn, Lawns. like the lawn grass that we use. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Well, I guess I have some reading to do in my spare Trees. 10 seconds like, a day. Another one I kind of thought about was maple syrup. Yeah. Oh, yum. 
Welcome. Yeah, Canada. Yeah. Sap from the maple tree. Uh, my and if you've never had fresh boiled sap from a maple tree pouring on the snow, rolled in a popsicle mm. stick to eat it, you haven't lived. Yeah, I actually have uh, uh, the family that I married into. They're actually out in the sugar bush right now uh, collecting sap oh, and making cool. maple syrup. Yeah. yeah. In, not in Alberta. No, they're in Ontario. Ontario, yeah. Yeah, okay. but they there's... Uh, Within the family, they have quite a few patches of sugar bush, which is maple trees, sugar maples. And yeah, they've been out tapping and... Do they ship you any of this product? Uh, yes. All right. Well, you know, if you ever wanted to share so, some um, of your sugar maple, you know, I those, would um, never be upset that you wanted to share that with okay, me. Okay. You know, like the, the big glass moonshine, you know, containers mm-hmm, with like... Mm-hmm the loop handle on mm-hmm. it. Yep. Uh, yeah. You put it on your elbow to drink out of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like this one is 10 inches across, 10 inches. Like it is this heavy glass, like chunk. Yeah. I have one of those full of maple syrup. Okay. I only need like 50 milliliters. I, I'm, it's, it's thin. Maybe you know that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. I just I don't want to. I get, got a family to feed, man. We'll take whatever. I don't want to get into your <laughs> stash too deeply. Real, real maple Maple syrup, like you go to the store and you buy like Mrs. Butterworth's maple syrup. No, 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 no. You need to get real maple syrup. No, I I am wildly spoiled now. I wait for my like shipment of the goods each year. Yeah. Well, now I'm waiting for that shipment too. Yeah. Hopefully that shipment can spread. (laughs) Just, Just know that if I say I'm making pancakes and invite you over, the answer is always yes. Okay. Imagine how good this would be. We have grown our stuff that we're going to grow for the year. We're getting together to do a podcast. We're going to make some pancakes and eggs with my, my chicken eggs. We got our, our veggie, our fruit and veggies that we grew. Maybe some hot peppers. And Maybe. Some hot peppers. <laughs> <laughs> so throw in some hot peppers, right? You got to spice up the eggs a little bit. And then we have fresh Canadian maple syrup. I think this sounds like a wonderful way to start it's all coming together. a podcast yeah. day. It's all coming together. All right, ladies. Well, we are over our hour, so I'm going going to um, say thank you for those final comments. I loved that we talked about maple syrup, the most Canadian thing in the whole world. Do you love maple syrup? (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about it. Or maybe you have a plant you'd like us to do for our next plants that change the world. Episode sounds like we're getting into uh, drunken disorderly plants, which should be lots of fun. Uh, You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fancy plants podcast. We are on Instagram at Fancy Plants Podcast. We have an email address. It's social at fancyplantspodcast.com. Love for you to reach out and engage with us. Um, And I think that's it for today. So thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week when we're talking plants. Bye. Bye. It's all about them plants. Come on, sugar mama. Get your green on. Mm-hmm. The fancy plants. Oh, 